I want to win that race. Like as Sailor says, like, fuck that. I don't want to be a martyr. I want to be a winner. I want to win this thing. And the way to win that is to do everything in your power to increase the speed at which Bitcoin is running the race. This is where I differ with a lot of people on Twitter that say things like, oh yeah, let the shit coins be noisy, more cheap sats for me. Fuck that. Like that's delaying, that's increasing the chances that we have to fight a battle and decreasing our chances of, of winning this race. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Today we have a conversation with Corey Clipston, CEO of Swan Bitcoin. Corey also serves as an advisor to Unchained Capital and Riot Blockchain, and he's also a partner at Bitcoin Ventures. Corey is not one to pull punches. He makes no bones about telling us exactly what he thinks. Corey has called out a ton of bullshit in the crypto space and helped many extract their money to safety before the collapse. His company, Swan, has done more for the education in this space than any other company in our estimation. Swan is on our short list of places to send new people to buy Bitcoin. You can be sure that when you send a friend or relative to them, they will not be exposed to crypto scams. Instead, they will discover some of the best educational content in the space. Blue Collar Bitcoin is sponsored by CoinKite. When you set up your DCA at Swan, you're going to want to send that precious Bitcoin to a cold storage setup. The best cold storage option, in our opinion, is the cold card Mark IV by CoinKite. This is the ultimate in security for your money. The Mark IV has the ability to use near-field communication to communicate with your phone. This way, you can use a wallet on your phone and sign transactions with your cold card quickly and wirelessly. This allows air gapping between your private key and the internet, and this is the perfect combination of convenience and security. Your money is completely protected, and access is quick and seamless. If you're in the market for a Mark IV, don't forget to use our coupon code BCB to save 5%. That's coupon code BCB to save 5% on a cold card Mark IV. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. All right, so wait, so this we guy actually... Tattoos? Yeah. Yeah. Tattoos. Okay. Keep going. Oh, tattoos. So this guy that you work with, this guy that you work with trolls you on Twitter. Yeah, his his handle on Twitter is Firehouse Shit. Is that right, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Firehouse Shitter. <laughs> he trolls us on Twitter constantly. He has Perfect. got a series of tattoos that would are very unusual, is the way I'm, I'm gonna describe them. He's got he's got a bingo bango on each fore or on each bicep. And now he's got his newest one is a T-Rex sitting on a okay. shitter with a chicken wing in its hand. Reaching this is real, out. by the way. This is real. I'm not making this, this up. We'll, send, okay. we'll put pictures on Twitter. Okay. He's if reaching he out. Reach, yeah, if he allows. Reaching out to a statue that's reaching back. Something like, um, help me out here, Dan. What is it? Sistine Chapel? Like yeah, uh, Moses yeah. reaching out to God? Yeah. And um, there's like a unicorn on one shoulder of the statue. There's an alligator. It's just... By the way, for the audience, <laughs> you're not on mushrooms, by the way. You think no. you are after what you just heard. That can't yeah. possibly be true. You're not on mushrooms. You're sober. Firehouse what you just said is true. Is that just sounds like mushrooms. a tattoo of a crypto conference. 
<laughs> like, isn't that he what is, happens? Uh, Corey, he is an ardent maxi, this guy. Yes. He's squared away, very intelligent person. Okay, good. He swans. Um, he swans. He, uh, he yeah. DCAs on swan. I know Does that he swan for sure. and chill? Okay, yes. If you he have a DCA plan, it means you swan and chill. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so Corey Clipston, discerner of false narratives, slayer of false bullshit, leader of the plebes, protector of the Bitcoin realm. Welcome Jesus. back. That was one trumped up title right there. Uh, I, I'm down. I, if I'm a participant in those activities, I'm with it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sounds good. We're all participants. <laughs> and, and no heroes. And this is a leaderless movement. And we, yeah, it we're is. all on team mm-hmm. Bitcoin, man. Bitcoin yep. has a unique and special mm. proclivity to slay its heroes. That's for Hold sure. on. I'm supposed to drink from this mug because this mug has the the merciless shilling of my company so i'm by the way drink from this one (laughs) Corey. um last time you were on you were drinking tea i think it was turkish tea uh i have not had tea in uh, i've had it in the last calendar year not more than once or twice i got tea upstairs before recording and my wife was really confused semi-concerned was that for me this is for me, but in homage to you. But I'll say okay. this. I take my drink choice very seriously when we record. Yeah. And this better not fuck me up because the right drink choice is the key to good tone for a conversation. So this is on you. I agree. This fucks me up. All right. Fair enough. Well, I went with a, a double latte. Double okay. shot latte. Ooh, yeah. So that's what's in here. My four-year-old I, helped me make it. She puts in the exact right proportion. And she she really likes to just fucking murder that thing and like press it really tight so it gets like a really good pour. What's um, your so yeah. uh just for full disclosure have, here? Corey? I'm on a I'm getting a Sam Adams Oktoberfest, mm. and these historically give me some uh pretty abrupt changes in the morning gastrointestinally. Mm. And uh I'm probably better off with tea, honestly, if I'm gonna be yeah. for full disclosure here. I was ready for you to say like changes of topic during the podcast or something, but that just went horribly <laughs> awry. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Corey. Who's leading this thing? Uh, I don't know. There's no captain of this <laughs> ship, which is pretty much characteristic of this entire show. Bitcoin is leaderless. Um, wait, I was going to ask podcast. another personal question. Give, give us okay. a little, what's the, what's the clips yeah. in household look like? How many, how many kids do you have? You're comfortable sharing. Give us a yeah, yeah, no, the, I, the it's, life of it's Corey been talked about. Yeah. To, Two girls, four and seven. It's a shit show, but it's awesome. And uh, yeah, me, me and wifey doing our best trying to raise these girls when I used to work way fewer hours pre-Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. The, the work hours have probably doubled in the last three years, mm. which is uh, interesting. But yep. uh, yeah, she's she's a trooper and the kids are awesome. And also, you know, they're getting a little bit older. You can talk to them. You can sort of half reason with them. Um, yep. You know, so it's good. It's good. Yeah, they're off to uh, art class now. I just went and picked them up, brought them home. The little one's going to an art class with mom, and the big one will practice piano and do some like some game that pretends to be fun, but is actually like teaching her math. But she loves it. I don't know. Very cool. <laughs> We're both in the thick of it too. We each have two yep. kids. We both have a daughter. Mine is um, upstairs practicing piano right now. I don't know if it's coming through on this mic, but. Nice. I can barely hear it. My kids are both That's currently great. shitting in their diaper, so um, we're in that <laughs> phase. <laughs> early yet. It's early yet. Yeah. Yep. Corey, you've gotten, you've nailed a whole lot of uh, calls this in this last year with uh, Luna exploding, Celsius, you know, just dismembering itself rectally. What do you see? <laughs> <laughs> 
what do you see blowing up next? Like, what's the next one? We want to know. <laughs> what, I, what nobody told me is this is their third <laughs> podcast recording in a row, and he's been smashing Sam Adams all afternoon. <laughs> That's what nobody told me. They were like, Corey, you get the dregs. You get, Welcome you get, to the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, Corey. Josh 3.0. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> that is 3.0, yeah. And this is, yeah. for the record, the first Sam Adams. I'm only like a third of the way through it. So okay. we've got an hour so ahead of gonna, us. I can get two or we three got a more. Heater. We got a heater coming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, dude. I, listen, the <laughs> I, I only... I, I'm not shitcoin PI. I don't sit here like reading altcoin white papers of like the number 42 coin and like determining why specifically yet another scam happens to actually be a scam. Like they are all until proven otherwise and none of them have ever proven otherwise. So they're all fucking scams. Um, so the only ones that I ever pay attention to are the ones that get close to Bitcoin and that affect Bitcoin directly. And basically that means do they show, do they start showing up in my Twitter feed? Like that's my signal mm. or do people start pinging me about it and saying like, hey, this take a look at this. Or you get, you know, a bunch of influencers from the Bitcoin space like Pomp and uh, I think it was BTC Archive or one of the other big, you know, Anon handles that yeah. puts out news, you know, just basically shilling the shit out of Do Kwan and saying how good this was for Bitcoin and, you know, just pumping the scheme. And it was like, obviously, this dude is full of shit just when you listen to him talk. And then you like literally 45 minutes one Friday night just poking into it and uncovering Ooh, magical. 45 minutes of research. It's clearly a Ponzi. Like it wasn't it wasn't special. Lots of other people with smaller accounts or that were actually in the crypto space were all over it and were calling it a Ponzi, you know, 6 months before and saying this thing was unsustainable and was going to go to zero. Um so I just kind of like stood on the shoulders of some of these folks that that you know, so Galoy Capital, that dude uh Keith, he's got like a crypto fund, but, you know, he personally holds like 99% Bitcoin. So he calls bullshit when he sees it. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, Mike Bergersberg, that guy, Dirty Bubble Media, that does a lot of good research, puts out stuff on his blog. And he'd, he'd been on Celsius, you know, for four or five months before I even like started actually looking at it. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that stuff is out there. I think it just, it took someone to like actually from the Bitcoin space to not play ball and to be like, guys, like, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> and I took a lot of heat for it, as I did with calling out Plan B and exposing him to be a total fucking charlatan. And uh, that's obviously proven to be correct. We and do appreciate you. You don't pull any punches around here. Like you call yeah. people exactly what you think they are. I mean, yeah. So I don't have time to evaluate everything everybody but if it gets really close to bitcoin and again i think it's like is it is it influential ignorance in a topic that i care a ton about and that i work a lot on so i'm not here trying to expose every scam or every crypto or every anything it's just the oh i have to sorry i'm being interrupted you guys because my uh, my four-year-old's uh costume has arrived yes <laughs> let's see Halloween. it let's see it she is what we got she's a skeleton mermaid oh Ooh. my goodness okay we're live on tv the, right now i see the herringbone bye. bye okay <laughs> close the door <laughs> skeleton yeah. mermaid josh Pretty where awesome. are your kids gonna be for halloween we're going mini mouse uh mouse? for my my two and a half year old the seven month old i don't know we'll 
fruit them up in some pumpkin thing. You know what you guys are doing? Yeah, we're doing. Jocelyn is a a witch, but a cute witch, and Ethan is a uh, Minecraft character. I'm not sure which one. Some kind of a pig. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good costumes. Yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. costume array here. Sorry, keep going. What were you saying? It's okay. I mean, so listen, like, obviously the punchline, what you're going to get to is like, what else do I see out there that sucks that's kind of on my radar? And like, I'm I'm sick of answering questions from journalists about Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, right? Like, it's just a crypto casino. Obviously, it's a house of cards that's built on bullshit because they have no business whatsoever if it wasn't for trading a bunch of illegal unregistered securities. Um, that are all pump and dump bullshit, mostly funded by Andreessen Horowitz and other scammy former venture firms that are just crypto scam pumpers at this point. So, you know, is he an altruist? No, he's self-interested. Is he like saving crypto by propping up these dog shit CFI lenders? No, he's not. It's just to, like saves him money to spend a billion here to save 10 billion on his net worth if they don't go away, since that's his mm-hmm. counterparties and his trading partners and his his borrowers and all these other things. So it's just kind of like JP Morgan popping, propping up the banking system back in the 1900s. Right. Um, so there's nothing mm-hmm. special about that. Like that dude doesn't understand Bitcoin, doesn't know what he's doing in this space other than just making money and there's no purpose. There's no mission. It's purely mercenary and it's disgusting. So I can't wait yeah. for him to fall and he will. Uh, crypto.com and Nexo are the exact same business model as Celsius. It's just varying degrees of, you know, yet to be discovered, you know, possible criminality and similarly shady characters that run these things. They're usually like internet marketers that operated in the gray area and have lots of lawsuits against them and have changed jurisdictions multiple times. And like, that's the case for both crypto.com and Nexo. And they both have bullshit tokens that function and have the same purpose as the Celsius token which is, you know, just like this company script that's totally centrally controlled that they try to get people to buy and like they have no profit. If it wasn't for those tokens and them fooling the market into those tokens having value, then these things, these businesses are not profitable. So those are both just like walking dead, massive businesses, one of which sponsors the freaking basketball hockey stadium in my town. It's yeah. a joke, right? That's why I keep on joking about, you know, Swan Arena coming soon. Hell yeah. We're not going to have to wait. We're not going to have to wait for 10 years for their entire naming rights deal to play out. There's, I'll bet all my Bitcoin that it's not called crypto.com in 2028. <laughs> wait, on the, on the topic of uh, sports and basketball, we got Pacific Bitcoin coming up, little basketball attorney going, you're participating yeah. out here. Let's cut the bullshit. Let's get down to the the bedrock here. What's your game? Uh, Talk to us about your game. How do you think it's going to hold up? How's this thing organized? Well, I'm a little bit more, well, I'm 45 now, so I'm a little bit more like MJ wearing 45. Here we come with the excuses, Josh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've been thinking about this and uh, do you remember Fat Joe's song, Lean Back? Fat Mm -hmm. Joe and the Terror Squad. He's like, lean back, lean back. He's like, you know, and basically one verse in that song, he's just bragging about like he doesn't have to play ball anymore because he just smokes the cigar and he he funds a team that plays and he gets to win the championship at at Rucker. Right. So, yeah, I'm actually bringing a box of cigars and I'm going to pass them out to all the uh, the team owners of these uh, of these three on three teams. And we're entering two swan teams of, of four for each and uh and we index ridiculously tall 
and high skill when it comes to basketball. So I don't know. You're going to have to really like, you're going to have to bring some ringers. It's going to be a massacre is what I'm hearing. You're laying it down. Listen, (laughs) there's going to be some good basketball played at this. I will, if they do, I think we are trying to do a three, a three point contest. Uh, I just don't want to be like injured and sweaty at a conference I'm hosting. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I'm not actually participating. It's just way too much downside, but, uh, yeah, I will definitely uh, light it up and and I'll say right now, I will win the three-point contest if we do one. Did you ever watch Chappelle's show back in the day? <laughs> you know the you know the skit where Rick James Charlie is, Murphy's story yeah, with yeah. Rick James. How yes. about you and your team versus me and the revolution? He's wearing yes. a blouse out of yeah. That's what I'm so picturing good. right now as you walk out on the court. Corey Again, fun. That, that was a crypto conference. <laughs> that was a crypto conference three on three tournament. This is actual basketball. <laughs> Fun fact about uh, myself, years ago in college, I called men's play-by-play on the radio. That's where I first cut my chops on a microphone. So nice. we're devastated. We can't be there this year, but maybe 2023, uh, I'm vying for play-by-play. You know, like Definitely. Hello and welcome to the Pacific Bitcoin Basketball Tournament, the Swan Swans, taking on the <laughs> Leaden Leopards in tonight's game. Corey Clipston leads the Swans left to right on your radio dial. You know, like get it going again. It's Boom like goes the dynamite. Years, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like one of my fond memories from college. I went to a really small school and hacks like me could could talk to it. nobody on the radio every week. Oh, so that's that's awesome. Well, we have that yeah. in common. I, I actually have a, a journalism undergrad. I'm a broadcast journalism major from University Very of Missouri cool. And I forgot that. Used to report that. news and sports for the local NBC station and I was fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was no good either, but it was fun. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's very few people that have any potential in that realm, and those that do stand out quickly, and the rest of us are relegated no, to Bitcoin it, podcasts. Yeah, but we just we just get, but this is cool because this medium just lets people talk, and people enjoy that too. But yeah, the whole like presenting in an engaging way at the right pace with the right level of information even just writing for television is just so freaking tedious. Yeah. And it's like not that rewarding because if you do it well, you're basically never conveying the whole story or even close to it. You can only sort of like tease an angle and it's basically an entertainment medium until you get into interview shows and kind of like, you know, crosstalk type things. Right. But yeah, the local news is just a a brutal form of entertainment. Mm Mm-hmm. I got a follow up question on this this previous topic, which is so it's very obvious that these scams are sucking in and have sucked in tremendous amounts of capital. I mean, it procuring LPs and VC funding for crypto scams has uh, been repeated now time and time again. What are like, this is a, probably a, a home run question for you? Knock it out of the park, but walk us through like the fundamentals and of incentives of why that's happened and why, I mean, we have a lot more money now flowing into Bitcoin, which is great and super encouraging, but why has it kind of been structured that way and why are the incentives kind of awry? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's really just this, this brief moment in time, these few years where there's information arbitrage, where the crypto people are able to get away with fooling a bunch of, you know, dumb money, into buying their bullshit. So, you know, the numbers don't back them up, right? We did the research over the summer. Uh, Sam Callahan, who's a lead analyst for Swan Private Client Services, and I 
actually ran the numbers and found that there were three out of 22,000 altcoins that ever had an all-time high in Bitcoin terms three or more years later after their first all-time high. Damn, that's a great only, stat. Only three wow. out of 22,000, right? What, what are the three? Though, uh, Ripple had a bigger pump in 17 than they did in 13. Uh, Doge got the Elon pump in 21. That was bigger than what they had in, in 17. And uh, Binance's coin kind of, it's like two and a half because Binance actually came out in 2017. So it's arguable that it probably didn't actually get a full pump in that bull market. And then it was higher in 2021. And all of them are down, you know, 50 to 90% in Bitcoin terms or more since then. Right. And they'll never, ever hit that all time high that they that they saw before in Bitcoin terms. Um, <clears throat> so these things mathematically and historically bleed out to zero. And that's what will always happen. Uh, so there's just no leg to stand on here. And yet, because you don't need to have revenue, you don't need to have product market fit, like as Sam Bankman fried described <laughs> in the national media, like it's just a. It's just a magic box that you put money into, and sometimes people pay more for it than what you put into it. And that's really all it is, right? And, and that's because you are able to say whatever you want about it to anybody and promise all kinds of crypto blockchain magic in the future without it ever actually achieving any of these things, while also selling it on unregulated exchanges and the participants in the market are not monitored the way that mm, you are yeah. trading stocks and bonds and commodities. And so they can do whatever they want. So the jumps in the Alamedas and the, you know, SACs and the Andresens and whoever are big operators, they can, you know, paint the tape and use market makers and they pay these market makers to support certain price levels and to make it look like there's like action and activity and just like try to drag retail into it. So they, they literally paint the tape on the charts all the time and make it look like it matches what traders are looking for with different indicators and all this kind of bullshit. It's really, really gross and dirty what the market makers actually do to try to manipulate the prices of these things. And they time it and coordinate it with the dumping of the insiders. Um, mm. So that's just kind of what it is. It's basically like pump the thing as much as you possibly can with the unregulated marketing of bullshit and then use the best art and science that you possibly can to get out of it and dump it on retail, keeping the price as high as you possibly can as you sell each level on the way down. Like what you've seen with Solana going from like 250 at the mega pump last fall all the way down to in the twenties now. Right. And now Andreessen Horowitz never talks about Solana, right? The pump <laughs> yeah. is over. Just leave it like for dead. The, yeah. You know, the, the all in besties aren't talking about Solana on the show anymore. And Andreessen Horowitz's future media platform isn't doing shows on Solana every week. Like the pump is done. They put their 314 million in uh, a year and a half ago and they got out of their cost basis plus way more last fall and they don't give a shit anymore. On to the next one. I think it's Aptos now, which doesn't function and has like three transactions per second once it actually launched a few days ago. But yeah, that's like the new hot pump and dump. All right. So let's switch this over to Bitcoin real quick. And one thing that I really want to know because you've got the inside info at Swan is how is DCA looking now versus say last year during the bull market? Are we seeing some good plebs scooping up Bitcoin at cheap prices? Are they, are they being a bunch of pussies and are they backing off? What do you know? We have, we have, we have higher, higher DCA volumes now than we did in the bull. That's awesome. Which is awesome. That is really um, encouraging to that's hear. That's crazy, dude. Like the, 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 we yeah. need to take a second to digest that. Like we we're throwing that out flippantly. 
we're down 70% on price and we got plebes, you know, cozying up closer. It's incredible. It really is an amazing testament to the fortitude and the belief of the people that are buying this asset. Yeah. Yeah. And now we got stack chain going. So, you know, moon is next stop. <laughs> oh yeah. dude. <laughs> I love stack yeah. chain. <laughs> Sweet. Um, stack chain and- is not an altcoin. Don't flame me. Just look it up on Twitter. All Don't at me, bro. On stack. Chain. Don't at me, bro. They're Any, no one's uh, at you. They're too afraid of getting cut, cut down at the knees by you. They're like, oh shit, I'm Corey, s- I don't want to piss him off. He'll he'll reveal dude. what kind of bullshit I'm into and the scam I'm, like, I'm perpetuating. I'm like the nicest, chillest dude in person. I think that's what's gonna be really funny for people that come out to LA <laughs> <laughs> in, in a couple weeks. They're gonna expect all this intensity, and I'm just gonna be like just kicking back and passing out hugs and shit. I like it. <laughs> that's it. Let, let's let's move this. I I wanna pull on this thread a little bit. Um, one thing we talk about quite a bit, Corey, because like it or not, we've now gone from having conversations with six of our coworkers listening to having an audience where we're now in an educational role. And I think the two, the two of us banter quite often about how we balance strong conviction and belief, uh, that aligns very similar with you and, and everything Swan's up to. But how we balance that strong conviction without, shall we say, indoctrinating, right? And like the, the, finding this this mix because, you know, the old adage, you need to teach people how to think, not what to think. And although we may have the strongest of opinions, we want people to, you know, take their own intellectual journey. Let's riff on this for a second. What are your thoughts on this? You can maybe talk about your journey if you want, the role you're in, which is obviously orders of magnitude beyond we are where we are. But how do we navigate this strong conviction while avoiding, you know, dogmatism and tribalism and narrow mindedness? Any, any thoughts on, on that or tips, suggestions? I mean, I don't really think, I mean, did you notice that the problem just kind of went away? Yeah. I, did. I mean, I think like, you could say that. But, but I muted, I muted Udi and Eric and I don't hear about it anymore. Yeah. Like that's it. It was just a straw man thing from like, shitcoin friendly people trying to like put bitcoiners in a corner and slander them to make room for altcoin pumping that's all it is that's why that's why vitalik called bitcoiners bitcoin maximalists in the first place it was an epithet um so i don't really buy that this is like an issue i think a lot of people feel strong when their portfolio is up that's across the board that's for stocks you got somebody that made a bunch of money on Tesla or fucking Netflix or something or Snap, and he's going to be talking about what a genius he is and saying all kinds of amazing shit about the the numbers in the 10Q or some shit, but he can't rip apart a 10Q of another company. He can't tell you anything about some other stock, right? Yeah. Um, and then the thing crashes 80% and all of a sudden, like, you just don't hear from them anymore, which is kind of nice. And so we do have that in the Bitcoin Bitcoin Twitter, Bitcoin Telegram or Bitcoin circles as well. Like there's going to be a bunch of people that are super jacked up that don't know shit that are going to be talking a lot in a bull market. And there may be a bit of a hangover, like a four or six month hangover after the peak and after it starts to fall. But when you're back in a bear market, those those noisy newbies kind of don't talk anymore and they realize they actually have to learn something if they want to make it through and have any conviction 
they're there studying right now. The ones that are going to be around for the next, you know, 10, 20 years, they're, they've taken their lumps. Most of them were probably pretty quiet in the bull market in the first place, but the ones that were maybe noisy realized, oh my God, this thing can go to 70 and then back down to 20, but I still kind of like it. Oh my God, I got to figure out why, or I don't really have the stones to hold onto this thing, let alone buy a lot more. And so they're learning just like we all did in 2018, 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, so here's an example from my own experience. I... I think Ron Paul back in 2008 and 2009, that whole presidential campaign kind of opened my eyes to the libertarian ideas. Through that, I understood, started reading about you know Austrian economics, and then that led me to gold. I was a huge believer, huge holder of gold for a long period of time till like 2016. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't kept an open enough mind about those ideas to when Bitcoin came around and in front of me, maybe for the third or fourth time, I would have disregarded it altogether and out of hand because I didn't have at least an open enough mind to consider the fact that this might be the successor to gold or this could be an implementation of a technology that's going to supersede it. So I guess I think the basis of this question is, and this is going to sound like heresy, but it's basically keeping an open enough mind to not just say Bitcoin is the only way that this is ever going to succeed. Because let me ask you this. This is what I can believe. From from 2008 to 2016, did you have a clear answer, or did people around you in the gold space have a clear answer to exactly how it was going to win and why? I think that's basically the same thesis that Bitcoiners have that this system is going to fall apart and that gold would. The system doesn't have to fall apart for Bitcoin to win. Well, all all I'm saying is like this is basically, I agree. And I'm not, you got to understand, this is like a steel manning position here. I don't actually think this is the. No, no, no. Stick, stick to your guns. Argue it, argue it. I am sticking to my guns. guns, But what I'm saying is if you don't have an open enough mind in order to consider alternatives and you're only saying Bitcoin is the only way, then you're blinded to other possibilities and you would, you would miss an entire other possibility that could be potentially the thing that could, could be the thing that does supersede what we're looking at here. And I agree. So, so Bitcoiners, <clears throat> I would just say like Bitcoiners have spent the last 13 years looking at every potential alternative and theorizing about any combination of characteristics that could create a better alternative and have determined and have understood that Bitcoin is when you take into, th- into account things like being first and the network effect of having this install base and the shelling point that on top of the other characteristics that it has with the fixed supply and, you know, just the way that it, it just turns money into scarcity or turns energy into scarcity. Like this is perfect money for humans and there can't ever be a more perfect money than this. You can't theorize of a more perfect money than Bitcoin. And so you don't really need to keep an eye on shit coins anymore. I'm not even saying just shit coins. I'm saying if you have a if you have a portfolio of things and you're heavy Bitcoin and mm-hmm. there you might be missing other possibilities or other investments that could potentially be better for you in the so that's no, mid to long thing. term. I think yeah, I think we were we were talking about gold as could gold become money again. Like solve the problem. Yeah, solve money. the fundamental solve problem. Solve the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what I was, that's the whole okay. framework yeah. that I was thinking of. Yeah. As far as like an investment in your portfolio, I mean, that's for every, every person or every family to determine, like, obviously I own some real estate and I have a few stocks and I still have a bunch of startup stock and, you know, Bitcoin and non-Bitcoin startups and, and I own Bitcoin. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think our conviction in this asset is on the furthest end of strong, but having said that, yeah. The two of us are absolutely obsessed with steel manning, uh, absolutely obsessed with, and with, with every arena. So any inclination of full destination in someone's thinking, for me, I'm wildly uncomfortable with. So like an yeah. example would be Lynn Alden. She came on this show and spent 10 minutes outlining. This was BCBO 55. We have a, a clip on YouTube. She spends 10 minutes basically butthole puckering Bitcoiners with like six or seven great explanations of like concerns that the protocol faces. Brilliant. And this is a woman with tremendous conviction in the asset. But this is yep. the kind of demeanor that even like the people with the strongest conviction, this is kind of what we're thinking through. Like there's a lot of Bitcoin maxis that say some really stupid shit. Like everything's a shit coin except Bitcoin. Like back to like having more in your portfolio than just this. And anyone that yeah. doesn't is is a total clown. So it's more the like, we we, uh, we resonate with this community more than any on planet Earth. It, it's it, in many ways has been a complete intellectual oasis, right? And it's, in, it's awesome. But at the same time, what's challenging, let's just take family for me. Like it's taken me years to get to this conclusion. And the three of us all shit coined, right? Like we stopped our shit coining in 1819, I think similar time frame to you, but I had this thesis completely wrong. But if you had just grabbed me, right, some random person had just grabbed me in 2017 and said, trust me, this is all wrong. Like I would never have ended up here. It was my own journey. So there's this like balance, I think, for us. And honestly, this is just like, we're just bouncing this around because it's a difficult question for Bitcoiners. Like we're steering people in the direction of the best resources and the thing that we hold the most weight. But if you if you tell people they can't explore other ideas or shouldn't flip over other stones, like the essence of intellectual integrity is finding the most responsible person on the other side of your argument and engaging with them, right? And I think a ton of Bitcoiners do this well, but I think a lot yep. of Bitcoiners do this very poorly, personally. And I'm seeing... Yeah. So it's like, it's this... I'm sure you you you've put your you view yourself There's, in a similar position like with your perspective but I mean not everybody not everybody has access to an altcoin fan who can you know defend their position I mean first right. of all it's 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 a tough it's position impossible, to defend yeah it's impossible to both be honest and correct defending altcoins yeah, but that's a thesis. Be, so we agree with that thesis, right? Okay. But that's a thesis that you should sure. challenge for forever. You know what I mean? And it, I think it'll hold up. It's held up for us. You but could, you could, but you could also stop wasting your fucking time. You've settled that issue for yourself and you have other mountains to climb. Yeah, I hear you. There's only so much. I don't feel like, yeah. well, I also just like, I don't feel like I have to argue anymore over like, you know, is the earth round or flat? Some of the shit is settled. Yeah. For me, the altcoin question is settled and I see them as delaying Bitcoinization mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that I'm going to like stop the basketball game because I know a dude on the court, you know, runs a crypto fund and I'm going to take him aside and tell him he's an enemy of humanity. Like he doesn't think that and this is a polite society, but 
you know, we'll go have a fucking smoothie after the game and might talk about it a little bit and I'll try to send him some resources and, you know, that kind of thing. This happened a few weeks ago. <laughs> what kind of smoothie? I found, I found, strawberry banana? Uh, no, no, no. This is, this is, this is at the gym. So yeah. Oh you. no, there probably was no strawberry, but yeah, probably like banana, almond and some protein or some shit. Yep. But uh, anyway. Good, Wait, good I, I actually mix. really resonate with something you just said. And I think it's a really good point, actually. There is like, there's only so much time in the day. There's only one lifetime and you only have so much bandwidth. And so yeah. A, for each one of us, there are certain things where you do get to a, a point of strong conviction where you kind of, I get it. You do need to just from a being judicious with your time and energy say, okay, that that's settled. We're moving to the next thing. Like how thing, long do I have to actually right. like address each new real vision scam? Yeah. Right. Didn't I do that a year, like two years ago? It was For summer sure. of 2020. Didn't I say my piece? And it's it, it's like, not so much like <laughs> it's not so much that we're saying like you need to go assess fucking Nexo or Dogecoin. Like, I mean, we, we you if you listen, we rip on this stuff incessantly on this show. It's more it, yeah. I think more what we're getting what we what we banter about is manifesting the fact that no matter how strong those convictions get, that your eyes are always wide open and you're constantly looking to steal man. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say Lynn Alden again. She embodies this in the most eloquent, but powerful way I've ever seen. Honestly, I've ever seen. I mean, she's unbelievable. She brings heat, but she is so gracious and she is constantly flipping the stone back over. And I think, I think honestly, like maybe we're putting too much pressure on ourselves, but we, it is like it's it's a question that that you need to grapple with when you de facto yeah. kind of get in a space where people are DMing you every day for advice on shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got to also like know your role. I mean, Lynn is a full-time analyst, right? And so she this is what she does all day is is think about things and write about them and talk about them and I have to build a company and yeah. and have clients and things. So, you know, I think it's important to just partner with people that have time to do that kind of thing. She can think of all the steel men arguments against it and rationalize like mm. why it's different. And I can send around her Bitcoin cannon rabbit hole yeah. right. after she's done all the work. Right. And she can be on like, she's, she's the third member of the Swan board. It's me, Jan and Len. Yep. So I talk to her, you know, when I need to, and if I have something that she can help with, we call her in and, and then she wrecks everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, she here, does. Here's the other, here's the other comment I had was it's like, if, if your aunt Susie doesn't know what a, mutual fund is and as far as her financial knowledge goes is her checking account like you don't need to tell aunt susie hey there's this bitcoin thing i have strong conviction i've spent years on it but you need to go make sure to look at everything right there are cases where there's people that trust you maybe implicitly and it's okay to share those convictions and give direct suggestions um and like you said i mean for those people there's just no way that they're going to do hundreds thousands of hours of research and it's okay to dare you say spoon feed just as just as yeah. maybe Lynn Alden is spoon feeding us as a couple firemen we can spoon feed aunt Susie and there are some there there are healthy quote unquote intellectual shortcuts that need to be made um yeah sure sometimes you have to go on trust here right like I got pulled into the space based on just going on the recommendation of somebody and then I started looking around and and somebody who seemed trustworthy who came through a friend was like just buy some right now it'll like just get started yeah you know, like, mm -hmm. like so Croesus has this story about like, his, yeah. Yeah. Croesus has a buddy that's a sailor. And he talks about this guy, he sails a sailboat. And Croesus just said, dude, just go buy a shit ton of Bitcoin. This is like four or five years ago. And the guy's like, 
All right. Okay. He just does it, you know? <laughs> Done. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you guys want an anecdote from earlier today? I do. Yeah. Always. Okay. Uh, so this was, this was fun. So got introduced to uh, the CIO, so chief investment officer of a money management firm. Um, they have a bunch of RAs, like registered investment advisors on their platform. So they have about 17 billion of assets under management. So like a good, good, large, mid-sized RA. Um, and, you know, we did our real quick intros, just me and, and my chief revenue officer, uh, Guillerme, the, the Bridgewater guy that came over this year and, uh, got through our intros. Scoop someone from Bridgewater, huh? Yeah. He was working on the, the Dalio transition, building out their wealth channel. Like, yeah, he's been there the last four years. We're big Dalio fans. Yeah. Well, he is too. <laughs> so am I. Um, anyway, so we get through like our quick intros. We're like three minutes into the call and the guy just like launches on his long, you know, why, why they don't do Bitcoin at his firm thesis, you know, and it's everything. It's the fucking kitchen sink of dog shit. You know, it's, it's just, it's just turned into a correlated thing. It was like, was it I all called ESG the top. No, no, it wasn't that. No. It, it wasn't. It wasn't BlackRock. It was a different firm. <laughs> Think wasn't around. So, Think wasn't there. It wasn't, it wasn't Sir Larry. Um, it was like, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the underlying technology. It was, it's just high beta to stocks. It looks like tulips or like Disney stock in the 50s. All bubbles look the same mathematically, blah, blah, blah. I called the top and told my clients to get out of it. Yep. You know, blah, oh, blah, yeah. blah. Anyway, but, you know, because it came through a friend and this friend is smart and this guy said, like, this guy's a great guy and was like the smartest guy I went to school with and he's pretty humble. Like, just talk to him, suss him out, like a little more leeway with me. And anyway, so I just like, you know, so I paused and I was like, listen, I got terrible short term memory. Let me knock out a couple of these and then keep going. So we kind of like broke it up and addressed a few things. And I was like, you know, none of those bubbles reflated. You know, this thing has gone from, you know, up to 30 and down to two and up to 1100 and down to 180 and up to, you know, 19,700 and down to 3150 and up to 69,000 and, you know, down to 20,000. Like, do you think that's done or are these adoption waves possibly? You know, it was like, ah, yeah, well, I did tell a lot of people to, to buy this year when it was, you know, 20 because it looked cheap. And I was like, but you think it's worthless, right? <laughs> anyway there. so there's so yeah so it's, it was just interesting like just trying to like when you have a commercial interest because what i'm trying to do obviously is we launched swan advisor services last month and now we have a bunch of ras on the platform putting bitcoin in their client portfolios and so now instead of just like yelling at the dude and saying you're an idiot like i want to get to a yes i want to win right as michael sailor just said like you don't want to be a martyr you right. want to be a winner like I want to win the fucking business. I don't want to just die here on this call. So I'm just going to like, you know, be nice and get through this thing. And like by the end of it, it was like he wanted all these Lynn Alden resources. He wants to read Jan's book. He thinks we're the perfect platform for his clients because they're all taking whenever they want Bitcoin, they do it off platform and his advisors don't get fees on it, blah, blah, blah. So like incentives are everything, man. And yeah. if you can show these people like a way to make money, then they'll learn. This guy will end up owning some Bitcoin. Once he owns some Bitcoin and start watching the price, he's going to start reading more. He's, mm -hmm. Then he's somebody's going to be like, oh, check out Jeff Booth's book. And then they're going to be like, oh, check out Blue Collar Bitcoin. It's dope. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, Bitcoiner. 
Yeah. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> Kraken's got I mean, the conversion the rate, the conversion rate is dramatic. Like if you do get an audience with somebody and you really have the opportunity to tee off on someone that's receptive, you can tell when people yeah. are not receptive, right? So it's, it's someone that's actually curious, right? Even if they disagree with you and you, you have an audience, it's amazing how quickly you can at least get to them, get them to the point of, Hmm, that's really interesting. You know what I mean? And then once that starts and, and you release them into educational resources, and if they actually take that next step, the, the conversion rate from that point is extremely high, in my opinion. Now, getting to that point's not easy. It needs to be right person with the, with the time and initiative to actually take the educational journey. But once you're there, man, it's startling how many people end up becoming Bitcoiners. And that's a testament to how strong the thesis is and how compelling this protocol is. It, it's mm. dramatic. Yep. How do you guys feel about pivoting to uh, kicking ETH in the ribs a few times here? Yeah, let's let's fuck yeah. with ETH for a while. Yeah. So here's what well, I'm. I feel like we spent like half the show talking about altcoins. So I far. I do want to just hear your opinion on this because I think this is a big deal. I think it's gonna fuck Bitcoin a I'm little a bit. Terrible guest. I'm like, <laughs> fuck that question. All right, <laughs> okay. just hear me. Hey, out. We hear love me it, out. dude. Go That's ahead. what it's all about. <laughs> By the way, I did the, I did this on CoinDesk today too. I like. Did I, you really? My I was on CoinDesk TV at like uh, noon Pacific and. Not only did I not show up for the pre-show to like to make the producers not nervous because I had a call going up like right to the top of the hour. I also forgot. And so it was like 12.04 when I finally saw my eight missed phone calls. So I joined like two minutes before the spot. Then I was like half a second behind the host, that Christine Lee gal. Yeah. And so I kept interrupting the shit out of her by accident because I didn't know she was talking. <laughs> I got to watch She's this. Like, this and I, and I an asshole. Like, and I had not prepped anything to say so i was just like i could and the call before was like very jovial and like kind of casual even though it was with an investor and so like i couldn't have possibly been more casual and unfiltered than i was on this coindesk tv thing today anyway i, I don't know what's going to happen from it but i feel like it might be legendary <laughs> we're gonna yeah, check dude. it out for sure so when you i listened to you and Breedlove, uh you were on a show in like july and you had some stuff mm -hmm. to say about eth that was prior to this merge nonsense so now yeah. they've finished the merge, right? And now Lido or Lido, however you pronounce it, Coinbase and a couple others yep. are basically have it by the balls. They've got yep. complete control of the right situation as far as, as far as proof of stake is concerned. They have yep. full ability to control this thing, right? Mm -hmm. What? As forecast. Right, as forecast. Yeah, exactly. No surprise. So th the thing that's concerning, I think, should be to Bitcoiners as well, is like this is obviously going to get captured by the state if it isn't already. And... Mm -hmm that could make things take a lot longer for Bitcoin because this alternative yeah. nonsense is going to proliferate for a lot longer than it otherwise should have because if it had mm -hmm. to compete with hash power with Bitcoin, it would have probably died a miserable slow death, but a lot faster than it's probably going to in this situation where now it's it gets a captured by the powers that die in a car crash. Yeah. Yeah. We mm -hmm. needed a car crash, you know, not a heroin addiction that takes five years to knock them out. So, yep. How do you do you think that that's a very likely scenario where this thing gets captured by the state and this is almost like the CBDC pseudo option for moving all these platforms onto it so they have absolute and total control of the system by the balls and it's basically the fiat system just moved onto a pseudo blockchain of sorts? How yeah, concerned I mean, are you about the, that? Well, it's basically a certainty that the only way the altcoin ecosystem can survive is to deliberately seek to be co-opted by the the 
Yes. Gover- governments and banks, like they have to become part of it or they're fucked. Yeah. Like, it's not, a, they're not building a parallel system. They can't survive. They can't, they can't, they are not decentralized and they become more centralized over time by definition because they're all proof of stake or some bullshit that actually is proof of stake that's called something else. The only things that can be decentralized are proof of work. And we only need one proof of work monetary protocol as humans on earth. And it's Bitcoin. Yep. Nothing else is close or ever can be close. So that's it. Game theoretically done. Um, so yeah, they can make a lot of noise for a long time. And as long as they're allowed to continue to print money with these crypto casinos and all these crypto infrastructure, staking, farming, baking, whatever the fuck, uh, they can pay off a lot of lobbyists and they can buy off a lot of campaigns and they can do the revolving door thing. And they can, they can hire regulators as GPs to get around the 20% of your hours lobbying rule, which is what Andreessen's specialty is. They hire people from DC and Mm. call them GPs of their funds because they can spend all their time in DC buttering people up and taking them out to dinner and shit. And instead of being capped at 20% before you're regulated as a lobbyist, because they're a GP of the fund, they can spend all their time doing that. So that's the game afoot. And that's what these guys are doing. And that's, you know, specifically why we had to split, you know, Bitcoin advocacy and start our own like SAT Center, OpenSats, uh, BPI and all these guys because the Blockchain Association and Coin Center are just captured by shitcoiners. That's who they're funded by. So they weren't doing anything good for Bitcoin anymore in DC. Anyway, so yeah, it could it could get ugly and it could take longer. And that's something that I think about constantly and write about regularly. Yep. In fact, the talk I'm going to give at Pacific Bitcoin is tentatively called the race versus the war. And it's this idea that if we win the race, we never have to fight the war. Um, over Bitcoin in that war, the combatant would be the only thing that matters is the U S government. There's no other entity on earth that can, as the figurehead that, that, uh, leads the existing system underpinned by treasuries in the dollar. That's the only combatant that could make life difficult for Bitcoiners. And all that would do is slow the eventual adoption of Bitcoin and domination of, of global money and store of value by Bitcoin, but it could be material. It could delay things from like 2035 full victory where Bitcoin is store of value, medium of exchange and unit of account, at least alongside the dollar in the next, you know, 13, 15 years to something next century. Easily can conceive of it taking a hundred years. If we, if we don't win the race and we have to fight a war and the only people that survive are like NIMS with dope ass privacy, privacy setups and, you know, bad things happen to me and my shit's confiscated because my name's out there as a Bitcoiner. Like I want to win that race. Like as sailor says, like, fuck that. I don't want to be a martyr. I want to be a winner. I want to win this thing. And the way to win that is to do everything in your power to increase the speed at which Bitcoin is running the race. This is where I differ with a lot of people on Twitter that say things like, Oh yeah, let the shit coins be noisy, more cheap sats for me. Mm. Fuck that. Like yeah. that's delaying, that's increasing the chances that we have to fight a battle and decreasing our chances of, of winning this race. You know, Andreessen Horowitz, oh, let them be, let them be. It's just capitalism. Fuck regulations. Like I don't, SEC shouldn't exist, you know, whatever. Well, are you in, have you been in DC for the last 20 years banging the table saying Ponzi schemes should not be regulated? Penny stock manipulation should be legal. Like, why are you taking up the charge for shit coins and why haven't you been all over deregulation of all financial activity this whole time? 
should we allow direct mail to go to your grandma's nursing home? Yeah. You know, pumping some fucking shit stock, like, you know, Stratton Oakmont, Jordan Belfort style. <laughs> Dude, you know, yeah, like, I mean, I just think there's the so much hypocrisy. There's so much hypocrisy in the crypto blockchain shills and the way that they position things. And all these guys did fucking debate in high school. Like, yeah. and they use those tactics. And if you actually know the tactics, like it's very fucking transparent. The way that like a guy like Udi actually argues is extremely transparent and very juvenile, frankly, and really not worth your fucking time. It's better to just block and move on. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is on the, you've, you've said it, I'm going to say it differently. Like there's people on the other side of this shit and they're average Jills and Joes, right? They're blue collar, lower class, whatever. They're the ones that are getting screwed over by this stuff. It's not as though it's just yeah. numbers on a screen and something to laugh at. Same with the whole system imploding. You know, these are things that yeah. it's easy to, you know, throw, you know, lob at when you're totally comfortable, but most people aren't, man. And there's actual lives on the other side of this thing that are getting scammed and fucked over and their retirement ruined. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's no small deal. Let's talk about Swan. Here's my first question. Where is it right now compared to what you expected when you started it? Like what's your oh, looking man. back on this project? You guys are doing so much. Uh, How's it gone compared to your, well, your initial vision? So th the plan was to start this little gifting tool and to aggregate a bunch of givers and receivers and then just have like a big list and flip it to somebody and make like 10 mil or something. That was the plan. And to never really have any employees and just use a dev shop and like some marketing contractors. That was the original plan at the beginning of like 2019. Um, things shifted a little bit <laughs> slightly, just a bit. Um, yeah. And I mean, really the, the Bitcoin community and Bitcoiners around the world were just so enthusiastic about a Bitcoin only company and a Bitcoin only on-ramp and showed us that, you know, they wanted to have a way to just, they wanted somewhere really more than anything. They wanted somebody somewhere to send people yeah. where they could trust where they were sending them to. Or sure. Yes. That was the main, mm -hmm. that was the main thing. That was the number one insight for sure. And so, yeah, now we're what? 80 people across five continents. We're all getting together in LA for the first time ever uh, in a couple of weeks, which is going to be crazy. Uh, I've probably only met like maybe 20 or 25 out of the 80 in person, um, which is bananas. So it'll be good to get a team offsite finally. Um, and, you know, we're a large Bitcoin financial services and technology company. And we have four business units. We have, you know, Swan Personal, which is the app and the website. We have Swan Private, which is private client services for high net worth around the world. We've got Swan Advisor for the wealth management channel in the US. And we've got Swan Business now as well, led by Dante Cook, which is uh, basically just for serving businesses. So this is where we put like the Bitcoin benefit plan. Swan Premium is launching, which is like, uh, uh, a premium membership in Swan with a bunch of benefits for uh, members of an organization. So it could be like for, you know, firemen in a given state or country. It could be army, could be AARP, could be alumni, things like that. So we'll work with organizations that have members and get them uh, kind of like an elevated access to Swan. Um, you know, and the API is out there built into like 20 some apps and sites now, and that will be just exploding over the next year into hundreds. We acquired Spectre, uh, closed that acquisition. About oh, a month that's ago. right. 
Um, so that Spectre Labs team is now cranking and that's building, exciting, you know, man. That's a big c- full customer journey, educate you about Bitcoin, get you buying Bitcoin and help you self custody with one of the best, uh, you know, um, multi-sig solutions out there. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on and it's busy and the team is just leveled up tremendously. We have one of the best engineering teams that I've ever seen at any startup, let alone in this space. And I've been in a lot of them. I think this is the best engineering team that I've ever seen. Um, and I think our go-to-market team and our media team obviously is, is out there, you know, building the brand and, and letting people know about us in, in really intelligent ways and in really genuine ways, which is, I think, the key to the whole thing. Is it true you folks are thinking about going public, gearing up to list on the NASDAQ or is that rumor? Yeah, What's that's the-, the plan. That is that is the near-term plan. Yeah. So we we think we have like the right team and the right story and the right trajectory to be able to pull that off in the next two, three years. Did you guys, um, uh, you guys retained Oakmont? Stratton to uh, list you? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I mean, good. They're, good. they're yeah, solid dudes. I mean, they, they have a very, very blue collar or a blue chip, <laughs> I should say. Blue chip sounding firm. Yes, yes, they do. We had uh, the reason there's this, I forget who it was on Twitter, but one of the questions we got for you was go deeper into why Swan going public in the future is what Corey thinks is best for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. Any thoughts yeah. on that question? Yeah. So it's interesting because it, it obviously quotes what I always say, which is always do the best thing for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. And that's kind of the motto and how we govern Swan. That's like my version of, of like Clausewitzian warfare, which is, you know, just set the strategic direction and then outsource, you know, decentralize all the decision-making to the edges. Um, so it's very rare that a decision gets brought to me because it's usually pretty clear and only if it's gray, do I have to get involved essentially. Um, and I think this is important because I think it's just going to, you'll have analyst coverage, you'll have easy media access, for our executives and, and other people involved in the company to be able to be on national TV all the time talking about Bitcoin. Um, you'll be able to have, you know, stockholders that own a piece of a Bitcoin only company around the world. Uh, mm. This just doesn't exist. You know, even right. people in the mining space, you've seen what's happened as these miners have gotten wrecked. Like it's very possible that Bitcoin mining is not particularly well suited for public markets. It's mm. very possible that it should just be kind of like, rev share deals for private companies where everybody makes money in a bull market, but you don't get overextended and take on all this debt, um, you know, in, in the bull markets. So that might, might be kind of what happens with, with miners over time. We'll see. Um, but regardless, there's never been like a consumer focused Bitcoin only public company, obviously. It's cool, man. What's the timeline on, on that? Any, any, I mean, I think our timing is I think we'll be ready in two to three years. And as long as there's, you know, IPOs happening and that if if the window is open and it's possible, then, you know, that's when I think we can hit it. Hell yeah. So like 2025. I was just going to end here. Um, What about Bitcoin is striking you this week, this month? Like what about the protocol, the network? What's top of mind for you as we close out here? Hmm. I guess I am, you know, honestly, I'm really excited to see some of these uh, burgeoning use cases for lightning. It's super early and I don't expect Bitcoin as a medium of exchange to take off until the second half of the decade. Basically, when the, you know, the, the much larger cohort of people that had conviction and bought in size in 2016, 17, 18 have been holding long enough to 
you know, to experience some upside, there needs to be yeah. another solid bull run. But, you know, at some point when people have 95 to 99% of their net worth in Bitcoin, those people really desire to spend. You can't jam this through from the supply side. Like it has to be the demand side to really, you know, desire to pay in Bitcoin that will really make payments take off and you'll see venture scale returns and all those kinds of things. That said, what we're seeing is some tinkering that is starting to show some indication that there are some things that Bitcoin can do that regular money. So it's beyond just spending. It's because Bitcoin actually can be streaming payments and because there can be micropayments and, and some of these things. I just think there's some interesting tinkering going on, um, you know, with companies like Vita and Sonoda, Impervious, Zion, you know, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on some of those. And, uh, you know, obviously I cut checks into a lot of these companies since I focus so much on Bitcoin in its store of value stage and Bitcoin, the asset with Swan. Uh, I like to keep an eye on everything that's going on with the next stage of Bitcoin that I think is, you know, maybe five years away by uh, cutting checks into these lightning companies. Very cool. All right. And end then us what's with layer a... three? Thunder? Yeah. Thunder. <laughs> Uh, close this off however you want. Maybe a little plug for the conference. Not too late to buy tickets, right? If people still want to go. No, no, you should definitely jump over to, uh, do you guys have a, uh, a discount code? We don't. We do not. Okay. Well, I should have, should have done that for you. I'm sorry about that, but, uh, whatever you can use discount code swan for 20% off, but it's pacificbitcoin.com. It's going to be pretty amazing. It's Thursday and Friday all day, uh, November 10th and 11th. In the U.S., Friday is a holiday, so you're only missing one day of work, which is awesome. Um, three stages. So the hard money stage in the Barker Hangar at Santa Monica Airport. Beautiful place that they do like MTV Movie Awards and stuff. It's just going to be amazing looking. Uh, the Swan Dome is back. So if you went to Bitcoin 2021 <laughs> and you know the Swan Dome from the parking lot, uh, we're reconstructing a larger Swan Dome for the second stage. And that'll be like more Bitcoiner insider, a little bit more tech. And, you know, Lynn Aldens and Jeff Booth and Sailor and all those guys are in the in the in the uh, um, the hard money stage inside. But the uh, the Swan Dome will have like the, you know, toxic happy hour and you know, simply Bitcoin types. And you know, yeah. if you guys come, we'll give you guys a, an afternoon to MC if you come next year. Um, and then the third stage is the Magic Money Court, which is actually a basketball court with bleachers. And that's where the Bitcoin Classic, the three-on-three tournament is happening, plus a bunch of performances, some rap performances, some some guitar performances. Uh, we do, I believe, have... Uh, David Kevin Frazier coming to perform. My star will continue to rise. We've got o Oflow Show coming. Oflow Show is coming to perform a few Bitcoin songs. Captain Youth is doing his Bitcoin songs. Uh, the Professor, the the amazing dribbler from the And One uh, crew, is coming and uh, doing his exhibition. The Compton Magic will be there. Uh, Della Vadova is bringing at least four of his Sacramento Kings teammates because they're playing the Lakers on Friday, so they're all coming on Thursday. Um, so yeah, it's going to be like this big, fun, you know, festival vibe with a ton of amazing Bitcoin education. We decided not to live stream, uh, the main stage. We'll be live streaming the Swan Dome. The reason we decided not to live stream the main stage, each speech will be up on YouTube within like an hour, but we didn't want to get shut down for playing copyrighted music. And I'm like a senses experience yeah. guy. I need my hype dope music that everybody knows and loves. And I personally chose with Tyler, DJ Sticky Buds is actually on our client success <laughs> team. 
Um, he's a big touring DJ up in Canada. Anyway, so we literally went through and chose the intro music for every panel and every speaker. And so like, if you think that the music was well matched to the thing you're about to see or the person you're about to see, like we spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> stuff matters, wow. man. That stuff matters. Shit matters, man. Nothing short of epic. So, so come on through pacificbitcoin.com code swan. The VIP experience is dope too. There's a huge VIP party on Thursday night. There's a rap party on Saturday at a beach mansion. So like that experience is going to be insane as well. And Corey clips and hitting trays. Hitting trays. I promise to make at least one three pointer out of yeah. 15 shots or however many they give us. You're just going to hog and just launch all game, but something's going in folks. You know, you know, it's all right. It's like hitting one good drive in an 18 hole exactly. course, you know, you that's just the like, one you remember that you know? feels good. It's the one you remember. One shot feels good. You're good. Thanks awesome, for your guys. time. Is the Corey. Sam Adams done, Josh? Let's see. No, I still got about, you know, a fifth of it or yeah, maybe a 10th of it there. You're look done. At, look at that. T right. gone. No more latte. All right, hold on. I'll pound this thing. This drink worked out well, Corey. I didn't yeah, think I was going to make it through, but yeah. I got to pee like a Clydesdale, but it was good. There you go. Well, that means we need to wrap. So All right, good guys. show, guys. It was Thanks. a pleasure. Appreciate it, Corey. Take care. See ya. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.